Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Hi, welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast. Today I'm talking with Dave Hodgson, the director and co-founder of NEM Ventures. How are you doing, David? Yeah. I'm good. How are we doing? Great, thanks. Tell me a bit about your background. Uh, so I've been working in the technology industry um, for the last 15 years or so, and probably the last 10 of that as an enterprise architect, an enterprise consultant, and about five years ago, swapped over to the energy industry and uh, technology innovation in the energy industry, basically. Uh, a project in that took me through uh, public cloud computing and ultimately into blockchain, and uh, we selected the NEM ecosystem and the NEM blockchain as a solution that we were using, so transitioned across the blockchain. So obviously that's 15 years condensed into a very short sentence, but uh, yeah, basically 15 years technology consulting and ended up in blockchain because it was the right solution for us. And what does NEM Ventures do? So NEM Ventures invests in companies that are building on or otherwise beneficial to the NEM ecosystem. So NEM is a blockchain technology uh, similar to Monero, Dash, Ethereum, etc. And it's an enterprise-focused blockchain. Um, We, as NEM Ventures, back uh, early stage startups through to generally about Series A funding rounds and um, invest in projects which are furthering the NEM ecosystem, essentially. And tell me more about the NEM blockchain ecosystem. Yeah, so the uh, the NEM blockchain itself has been running since uh, 2015 on public net. Development started in 2014. Unlike uh, a lot of other blockchains, there was never an ICO. There was no major fundraise at the start. It was a big uh, call to action on a Bitcoin, for- <coughs> Bitcoin talk forum. Um, the core developers and a, a group of the core team formed a project back in 2014 and developed the chain and then launched it a year later. Uh, it's been running with no downtime for the last three and a half to four years. Um, and unlike a lot of the other popular blockchains, it has a fairly sophisticated API and SDK layer around it, which means that normal full-stack developers from an enterprise can develop in the language that they're comfortable with to interact with the blockchain itself, but rather than having to learn proprietary technology, um, you just have to have a rudimentary understanding as to what you want to do with the blockchain and you can integrate it into whatever kind of system you're building, basically. Uh, the ecosystem that sits on top of that has three or four main components. We obviously have the core development team, um, the most important guys, because they make the technology work. They um, extract requirements from NEM Ventures, from the NEM Foundation, uh, and from a private entity called the Tech Bureau, who also fund development of a private enterprise license of NEM. Um, and all of those come together to make up the NEM ecosystem. And tell me why you decided to go with blockchain. Um, myself personally? Yeah. Yeah, so I was working with uh, actually an Irish startup out of Cork called Solo Energy. And um, the guys there are building a, a decentralized power plant or distributed power plant where they put batteries in people's homes, um, Tesla Powerwall sized batteries, mm-hmm. and manage those as an aggregated energy resource. A natural extension to that is to enable peer-to-peer trading between the properties. So if you've got solar panels on your roof and I've got a battery in my house, uh, you might sell me energy across the grid. At present, that doesn't work very efficiently or under the current regulations for energy. It's a little bit difficult to settle those trades. So a parallel way of doing that is to use blockchain, which allows you to do peer-to-peer trading of energy for 
crypto cryptocurrency or digital assets. Um, so we went through a selection process of which chain to use, and we looked at four or five, and ultimately selected NEM as the best fit for for that project, which is what brought me into NEM probably eighteen months, maybe two years ago now. Yeah, and it's been happy days ever since. It has been very busy ever since. Yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. Well, I guess by using blockchain, using technology that's already been proven to work elsewhere, so which is handy. And also, you said earlier that you can use your different languages with it as well, which is great. You're not stuck with one language. Yeah, it makes the um, the speed or the time to market uh, quite a lot shorter. And obviously, the resource that you need to develop the, the solution, uh, there's just a lot more of the guys around. So if you're looking for somebody who writes in C-sharp, for example, instead of know, Solidity, for example, um, there's just a lot more people around who know that stuff. So it's a lot easier to find them, Yeah. Um, which ultimately as a business means that you can get to market faster and scale up your team more easily. Yeah, because I guess scalability is very important, what you guys are doing as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's one of the reasons why NEM came out ahead is that the, the architecture is set up to, to scale already from day one. And yeah, there's been no downtime to date. Well, that's good to hear because downtime I know can be, can be right pain in the ass and it can cause a lot of problems in the long term. Yeah, it, uh, it certainly can. <laughs> if, you're, uh, if you're relying on the ledger to be the source of immutable truth and it disappears, it uh, makes it a bit difficult. <laughs> yeah, and I guess also again, you've probably got a system that's very very secure as well and manageable. Uh, yeah, we have. Um, I would need to, to get the tech guys in to discuss a lot of detail on that one. But um, yeah, the, um, the underlying blockchain itself has been written from the ground up, so it's not a hard fork from any other technology. Yeah. Uh, and actually, we're moving into version two this year, which is codenamed Catapult. Um, so we're expecting that one to be released onto the public mainnet later this year. It's already available as a beta release for private chain for people to start developing against now. And I guess the name means it goes further. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It also happens to follow B, so yeah. ABC. Yeah, <laughs> true. And then when you get to D, what's D, what's D going to be? If C is catapult. Nirvana, I think. Yeah, nice. <laughs> That's where we get to Mars. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be like Elon Musk going to Mars. That'd be interesting. Oh, apparently he's, he's big on Ethereum, so we'll need to see if we can get him to swap over. Yeah. <laughs> I guess after that, I've seen a lot of people are talking about different cryptos, and Ethereum is one of the ones that actually is it's, it's still basically very popular. It hasn't died away as such. No, I think that's fair. Um, I, I think it's going to be here for a long time to come as well. It's a it's a very solid chain with its own uh, rather large niche. Um, so I think yeah, we'll see several chains around. Ethereum to me feels like one that's going to be around for for a good long while yet. Yeah, I think it's like Bitcoin. It'll be one of the standards. Yeah, pretty much. It's it's starting to feel now like yeah, well, obviously it has been for a while that Bitcoin is the store of value or the the king of crypto currency itself, but the underlying technology is very useful for certain use cases and then other underlying blockchains are, are more useful for others. So if you take a step away from the cryptocurrency, I think you'll see probably 10 to 20 large blockchains still around in the next few years. Cryptocurrency obviously is going to go however the financial markets decide it's going to go. Yeah. And the thing for me is I, I hate seeing so many ICOs launching. That kind of stuff that doesn't work too well for me. Uh, yeah, I think uh, most of us have been in the industry for a little while now. Um, recognise that the stuff that happened about it 12 to 24 months ago, whilst it was great in terms of news coverage and hype, realistically wasn't all that positive for 
the ecosystem in general, we couldn't really continue that way. Um, it, was, it was a great experience and a fantastic time and loads of fun, but uh, realistically, we need a few more regulations in place and for, for these projects now to start hitting the ground and start delivering. And uh, we definitely went through a bit of a hype cycle yeah. sort of 18 months ago. It reminds me of the, of the years ago, the dot-com bubble, which went and came and went very fast. Yeah, we're both uh, both old enough to remember that one in our careers. It was just at the start of mine, so yeah. uh, it was uh, a fairly exciting time. It was, but it's <laughs> back, like, back then, I was actually sitting in a call center for a, a financial advisory service, uh, responding to requests for information on why it was growing so fast and falling so fast. Yeah. <laughs> it was fairily stressful. I, I guarantee it's a bit like when you look now at the ICOs. ICOs, so many have been launched, like dot-com bubble, so companies were launched. But in the end, only the, only the strong and fittest remained, and the ones that had out of something that actually was work or product or tangible that you could actually use would remain. Same with cryptocurrencies. If you invested in yeah. some cryptocurrency, you didn't know what it was going to how long would last. And in some cases, that currency is only used to buy their own products, not elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And then obviously it just relies on the level of utility that you've got in that product. And if the product doesn't end up launching or scaling to any great uh, extent, then yeah, the cryptocurrency has a very limited use case and arguably you probably could have achieved all of that using the native currency on the on-chain. Yeah, it's like if somebody um, was... But to, it's a good way of raising money quickly, or it was a good way of raising money quickly. It's like if somebody was to go and, and launch a crypto-based uh, craft beer, and said, oh yes, you can buy a beer, but you, ha you have to buy our own beer currency to buy it. You can't use anything else. That to me doesn't, doesn't make any sense at all, because <laughs> how is it going to last? No, it's a, it would be a very hard sell, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I think... Um, you can see some parallels as well to uh, some of the early social media channels that came through in the sort of five or ten years after the dot-com boom, yeah. where obviously you had the likes of Bebo and MySpace and Friends United and stuff. At the time, were quite popular, and then they died off because realistically they were just they were quite narrow. They had specific use cases, and you ended up with the with the wider ones we've got today. Yeah, yeah. And I would see crypto and blockchain will go through a similar kind of maturation phase. Public cloud did the same as well afterwards. Yeah, you look at like Facebook. How how it adopted and changed from the first launch into what it is now? Totally different beast. And uh, yeah, and, and even they're coming into crypto now. Yeah, and then you're going to get other companies like like that coming into crypto are going to have to adapt and die like Facebook did. So when you see the first version of a product and then look at version ten, they're going to be so different. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, it's probably what keeps the industry really exciting and interesting, and keeps you and me in jobs because we. Uh, have interesting stuff to talk about and go and look at it, new projects and things. But it does mean, unfortunately, that a lot of uh, the early ideas or the big hype ideas may never deliver and they just, we end up going down a different road. Yeah. And that's fine. That's it's, it's ultimately positive for the industry. Well, I think it's good because you get rid of all the ideas that are basically wouldn't last. Because you get something with a great idea and for, for two minutes, he's everyone's darling. And then suddenly the product is, we just, hold on, what can this actually do that's going to be used to me? Nothing at all. Bye bye, and drop it. Yeah, it's one of the biggest challenges as a VC is to try and pick out those projects which um, do have longevity and are likely to give you both a commercial return, but just an ongoing, particularly because we invest in on behalf of the blockchain, an ongoing adoption and yeah. an interest level. Um, and it's yeah, if we had a golden bullet for that one, I think every VC would be uh, yeah, as you were saying, very happy. Investment. What do you look for when you invest in projects? So we got uh, three or four main criteria. Um, the, the fund started out of a, a community fund pot of reserve, reserve tokens, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and as a result, we have a mandate from the community to back 
companies which are going to build or expand on the NEM ecosystem. So that's the first qualifier. Basically, if the, if the product's not based on NEM or going to benefit NEM in some way, we don't have the mandate to look at it. Um, second, it has to be commercially viable. So mm-hmm. we have a healthy pool of reserve tokens, but we still look for a commercial return from all these investments. So we're looking for a, a credible team with a good idea and a vision that they can clearly articulate to us and in a way that we can see some level of commercial viability at the end, ultimately so that the profit that comes back to the fund can be reinvested into future projects to build on them. Otherwise, it's not sustainable. What, what are projects have you invested recently that are very interesting? Yeah, so we recently made our first investment uh, back in March in a company called Vimba, based in New Zealand. They um, started in 2014 and offer a solution which started off as essentially regular savings coming from your bank account to Vimba and they deliver crypto to your bank account. Uh, that was running all the way through the, the previous uh, bull market and then into the, the more recent bear market and the volumes have, have stayed healthier than most of the big exchanges. Obviously, they've, they've suffered a little bit with the crypto winter, but it's uh, it's weathering it well. And uh, Sam, the founder of that company, is at a stage now where the product is sufficiently well established in New Zealand that he's expanding outside into new markets. So he's moved into the UK already uh, and now has access to the UK Faster Payments, Faster Banking Network, which is a, a service that means that you can send money from one bank account to another in seconds. Um, it exists in another different names in a few, few other EU countries. But essentially what it means is you can send money in the UK to Sam and get crypto back um, very rapidly and without any exchange or any bank as an intermediary because he has access to the core banking infrastructure. So that's starting to scale now in the UK and they're about to expand into Australia this year and then around the rest of the EU, um, I think in 2020 and through 2021. Um, Sam's a perfect example of the kind of founder that we really like to work with and like to invest in. He's done all his homework. He has a really good idea. He surrounded himself by a good team. He has a product that's ready to launch. He's already proven it in a smaller market and is now ready to scale. And that's perfect for us. So Sam actually didn't start on them at all. He originally listed Bitcoin and Ethereum mm-hmm. as the second coin. Zem is now on there. So XEM is our native token. That's now listed alongside those three as well. Yeah. And that means that the UK and the Kiwi market are able to buy XEM from fiat very easily. They don't, they get walked through how to set up a wallet. Uh, Sam's very hot on making sure that all of the users understand it's not a good idea to have all your tokens sitting on an exchange unless you're actively trading them. So he will teach the new customers how to set up wallets that they own the keys for. He's um, extremely uh, proactive in making sure that his user base understands how cryptocurrency works, where it comes from, how best to manage it. And the services have now expanded out into being able to do instant buy and instant sell yeah. beyond just the regular savings. So previously, he would take effectively a direct debit or standing order every month and average that price out across the year for you. Uh, and through his OTC, uh, over-the-counter uh, transactions, he would get a better price than you would do in the market. Basically, he would get a discount. Um yeah, so that's that's been better in a nutshell. Yeah, because I guess uh, when you're talking about wallets, people have had wallets on the computer, and because the computer has crashed, the wallet's gone. But if there's a way that you can make sure that can happen, then I'm sure Sam will be able to tell you all that as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. So you'll cover all of the the basics around how to manage your seed um, or your private keys, for example, so that you can restore that wallet. Because obviously the account still exists on chain. It's just you've lost effectively the password to your local wallet or yeah. the wallet itself. Uh, so his videos talk you through how to back up um, that that phrase and how to restore the wallet in the event that you end up losing the hard drive. And obviously none of us want to be that news story that uh, your laptop ended up in the, the local tip with 10 bitcoins on it. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of one a guy who lost millions because of that. Yeah, I've, I've heard a good few stories. Actually, there's a, a recycling uh, organization near me that handles uh, electronic waste and they've had a few people come around to them asking if there's any way to get back that hard drive that they dropped off last month. It, it must be a horrible feeling at the, the time you realize that. Yeah, I guess so. Basically, I'm, I'm just glad that basically I'm not one of those people because I, I can imagine what else you're going through with all that money being lost. Well, that's it. And you're talking significant quantities of money that used to be, you know, a few pounds or a few euros, and now it's a lot more. It, uh, yeah, psychologically, it must be horrible. And I guess uh, thing to try and deal with. That's when the wife says, "I'm calling in divorce lawyers." <laughs> <laughs> You'd certainly hope not, but maybe. <laughs> no, but you know, if, if all your money savings is in is in crypto, and you can't access it, that's the worst thing in the world. Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, personally, I, I tend to follow um, Mike Novgratz and would never have all my wealth in one asset class anyway. But uh, yeah, you would, it would be awful if you had it had it all sitting there in crypto and it was gone. Yeah, and I, I guess basically what Sam's doing is actually teaching you how to how to invest wisely. Uh, yeah, so he very probably more than invest wisely is how to manage your investment wisely. So he's very keen to explain that he doesn't give investment advice for obvious legal reasons. <laughs> but yeah, he, uh, he teaches you how to manage your investments because, as wisely as possible. Because I guess right now crypto is now probably the modern day uh, stock market. So you got to make sure that you invest wisely. And obviously, nobody's going to go and tell you or invest in that currency, but they'll tell you what to look for and. and what 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 things that you can watch out for to tell you time to buy or sell? Yeah, that's right. And the the crypto asset market now is sufficiently mature that there are a lot of good tools around and a lot of very good technical analysts who who do not understand the fluctuations and the indicators to watch for. Um, so it's it's definitely maturing as a, as an investment class, um, and I think that's only going to imp- improve and and speed up over the next couple of years as we get more institutional finance come in. Yeah, and I guess we need one country in the world to finally announce a major cryptocurrency as a currency for the country. That'd be fine, wouldn't it? It feels like we're not too far away, but yeah, we're still probably a year or two off yet. But yeah, um, I can't wait to see that one happen. I know that Estonia did have a have a quick play with trying to make that happen, yeah. um, and then because of being part of the eurozone and a bunch of currency controls that came with that, I think that they had to put that on pause. Yeah, I know that in, in Japan they've got it where you can use Bitcoin to buy things. They've let it be illegally allowed to buy things in shops, but some of yeah. things. You need a country to someone be like Switzerland of, of cryptocurrency, have it that you can either use their currency or crypto, and then once that's done, others will follow. Yeah, I know there's a chain of bars in Poland as well, which um, only accept crypto, yeah. and actually have the prices live on the on the pumps, so that um, essentially when it's going through a pump, the, the price of beer goes down <laughs> and they'll actively tell you that it's gone down and um, there's quite a few interesting business models around that one obviously if you as a company are prepared to accept the risk reward that goes with accepting crypto 
yeah. until you get it into fiat because obviously ultimately you still got to pay rent yeah. and staff. It's uh, yeah, it gives you a lot of opportunities to play with. The other one that I've been um, experimenting with recently is a, a service called Wirex. It's not even all that new particularly, but um, it's a debit card that allows you to hold fiat and crypto on the same card. And mm. one of my vis- uh, partners recently just walked onto the London Tube and used to tap and go off that card and paid in. I think it was Ethereum at the time, yeah. uh, and walked straight onto the tube completely frictionlessly. That kind of stuff is only positive for the industry. All of the, the adoption side of, of using currency like that, it, it needs to get as easy as using cash before it's really going to take over. Uh, actually, NEM recently announced a partnership with a company called Zux, Z-E-U-X, which yeah. now allows you to accept or to use XEM through Android Pay, Apple Pay, and, and Samsung Pay. So you can Similarly, with your iPhone, when you're paying in cash, you can just tap it and spend them at a point of sale. Nice. All those kind of advances are making it so much easier to, to penetrate the market. And I guess in the long term, it's making the making currency more or less cashless. Yeah, and, and really, if we're, if we're honest about it, it kind of already is. So a lot of the time, certainly in the bigger centres, like I know you're sitting in Dublin and I was down in London earlier on late last week. Most of the time now, we don't really handle cash in those main centers. We're using little tap-and-go yeah. cards, which is basically money. That's not really any different to other digital assets, except there's a big central intermediary that holds all the records that we have to trust that we can't actually see. Yeah. Obviously, with crypto, we all know it's it's on-chain, it's transparent, and we can see what's happening. Yeah. Anything else about the podcast? Um. I don't think I've got any, any scoops for you at all, I'm afraid, Ron. I would love to have a couple, but I've, I've been under... Uh, Strict orders not to release anything too too secretive. Okay, that's fine, Dave. Thanks very much for that enlightening talk and interview. Have a great day and uh, talk to you soon and take care. Thanks for having us, Ron. Thanks, Brennan.